بسم اللہ الرحمن الرحیم نحمد ونسلی علی رسول الکریم الحمد للہ نائٹ از دا نائنتھ آف فیبروری ان دی ایئر ٹو تھاؤزنڈ اینڈ ٹوئنٹی That we're going through the exalted and dear life of the illustrious companion, Sayyidina Anas ibn Malik. And I've reached the point where I've mentioned the tragedy of the martyrdom of the family of the Prophet So the next section is entitled, Al-Harra, the desecration of the holy city of Al-Madinah. Al-Madinah was shocked to hear of the horrific massacre at Karbala and there thus immediately arose a revolt against the Khilafat. So here it's important to point out that obviously due to the tragedy, the people thought they had to do something. So many of them revolted against the authority in Damascus. But here the hadith is in Sayyid Bukhari. Abdullah ibn Umar radiyallahu he warned his family and his associates he goes if I find out that any of you have broke your pledge of allegiance I will break ties so he warned his family and in extension those under his authority not to revolt so Abdullah ibn Umar was highlighting that do not let emotions get in the way here The Pledge of Allegiance cannot be broken and if it does, it will lead to more serious consequences. Both other companions revolted. So what happened? Yazid, now in a state of panic, he immediately dispatched a task force consisting mainly of Christian Syrians under the command of the one-eyed Muslim Ibn Uqba an old and infirm soldier of ill repute. So this is worth pointing out. Yazid couldn't raise an army because the command he gave was to go to the holy city of the Prophet and to crush the rebellion. So obviously Muslims refused. So he was now forced into making this army consist of Christian Syrians. And the one who was in charge of them was a one-eyed man called Muslim Ibn Uqba who had also a bad history. <laughs> the 12,000 strong army of the one-eyed general invaded the holy city of Rasulullah in the year 63 AH. It's also worth pointing out that Yazid in, had also requested Ubaidullah ibn Ziyad the shaitan who caused the tragedy at Karbala I to lead a force into the holy city of the Prophet and he refused he said no because I've got enough blood on my hands so notice this was why he sent these this ill-reputed force so what happened in Tabarani Hagim in his Mustadrak volume 3 page 550 Abu Nu'aym al-Hilya, Hafiz ibn Abd al-Bar in his Al-Istiyab, volume 2, page 203. Al-Haytami in Majma' al-Zawaid, volume 7, page 255, comments upon the chain of the race. 
Ayatul Sahaba, Volume 2, page 307 to 8 of the New English Translation. Urwa, Urwa ibn Zubair, he said in summary, Rahmatullah, when Muslim entered al Madina, the companions, radiallahu ta'ala anhum, who were there had already left. I, though many also remained. Muslim, after being victorious, he humiliated the people in al Madina. And he went on a killing spree. He then left al Madina as what and was on his way to Makkah where he suddenly died. So this is a summary Urwa gave, very, very brief facts and figures. So what did he say? When Muslim came, I the one-eyed general, many sahaba left because it was now fitna. But those who remained, who brought the pledge, they stayed. And there was a battle. And ultimately, Muslim was victorious. And then Urwa said, he humiliated the people of Medina. He was killing without, you know, question. And then he headed towards Makkah. And on his way to Makkah, he died. During this tragic encounter, 700 of the blessed companions were martyred. And all in all, 10,000 Muslims were also mercilessly killed. So this is a very huge figure. Why? Because, like I mentioned, barely less than a hundred got involved in the fitna. And yet here, in this single encounter, 700 Sahaba were martyred. And thousands of Muslims. Hafiz ibn Kathir, he described the sad state thus. The number of eminent companions and others who died in this year due to the Al-Harra incident is so extensive that it would take too long to name them all. This is in Al-Bidayah, in the chapter upon entering the 63rd year of the Hijrah. So even Hafiz ibn Kathir said, I can't give you all the details, because it will become too extensive. So many notables passed away. The incidents that followed will always remain an ineffaceable blot on the name of Khalif Yazid and the Umayyads. The Syrian troops were allowed to sack the city the way they liked. For three consecutive days, the holy city of al Madina witnessed a horrific dance of destruction and sacrilege. Mm. Hafiz ibn Kathir, he put it like this. Yazid committed a grave mistake by authorizing Muslim ibn Uqba to exercise his control of al Madina for three days. This was because during those three days, Muslim carried out the most unspeakable and indescribable atrocities to be ever witnessed in the prophetic land of al Madina. This is in Al-Bidayah in the chapter upon entering the 63rd year of the Hijrah. So Hafiz ibn Kathir, he said this was a big mistake by Yazid. Why? What was the mistake? He gave the one-eyed general three days to do what he wanted. And in those three days, he carried out unspeakable atrocities, said Ibn Kathir. All of this was taking place in that most hallowed of cities, of which Sa'ad ibn Abi Waqas, radiallahu relates that our beloved messenger said, sallallahu alayhi none plots against the people of al Madina, but that he will then be dissolved, just like salt is dissolved in al Madina. This is in Sayyid Bukhari, number 1877. So this is a flawless report. Now, if anybody plots against al Madina, simply put, they're asking to be destroyed. Mm. 
just like salt dissolves in water, as they say. And also there's a report in Imam Ahmad in his Musnad, number 14,818, Sahih, the Burani in his Osat, number 1089, 2-18, Al-Bidaya. Muhammad and Abdul Rahman, two sons of the age companion Jabir ibn Abdullah, they related. We went out with our father after he had lost his sight on the day of Al-Harra. And he said to us, Wretched indeed are those who cause the Prophet fear. So we asked, Dear father, did anyone cause the Prophet fear? He responded, I have heard Rasulullah say, Whoever causes the Ansar, of this region to fear will then be caused to fear what lies between these two. Then he placed his palms of his hands on his sides. Mm-hmm. So let's look at this. So this is a Sahih Hadith in Ahmad. So Jabal ibn Abdullah, he was an old companion at the time and he had his two sons. And it was the day of Harra, so he was outside. And he said, those are indeed wretched who cause the Prophet fear. So obviously the Prophet's passed away. Because how can anybody cause the Prophet fear? So Jabr says, whoever causes the Ansar of this region to fear will be caused to fear what lies between these two. And then he did this with his hands. He put them to his sides. So what he was highlighting, the Prophet that you have caused your own self great harm if you've caused harm to the people of Al Madina. So, Al Madina, this was Al Harra, and also there's other incidents, I'll mention it. There was nobody in the Masjid of the Prophet. Think about that. In Masjid al Nabi, there was nobody. Why? Because they were on a killing spree. Only one man had the courage to stay there. And that was Sa'id ibn al-Musayyib, rahmatullah, Abu Huraira's son-in-law. So when he was there, the guards of Muslim ibn Uqbal entered and they saw him. And they looked at him and they thought, oh, he's mad. He goes, leave him alone. So they were going to kill him as well. So Sa'id ibn al-Musayyib, Allah Ta'ala honored him. He was the only person, how many people can say this? who was offering the obligatory prayers in Masjid al-Nabi. <laughs> Otherwise, there would have been a break. Think about that. There would have been a break in the holy city of the Prophet, in his masjid where prayers weren't being offered. So he single-handedly remained. But there was a problem. He didn't know, because obviously in those August days, you could look. You had to look at the sun to work out what time the prayers are. You know, it's not, don't look at, there's no watches or clocks. So... Saeed was worried. He was thinking, how do I know what time the prayer is? But then Allahu Akbar, the report mentions, and it's a Sahih Hadith in Al-Bidayah, that he heard the Azan from Rasulullah's grave. <laughs> Think about that. So was the Azan from Rasulullah himself? <laughs> or was it from maybe an angel? Allah Ta'ala knows best. But this is how he knew what time the Salat was. But when you mention this report, obviously people don't, don't have details. So they start asking, where's everybody else? And it's taken me all this time to explain, right? But people haven't got time. So the great Sayyid Abul Masayyib, he was the only one there. And for three days, also there was horrific things taking place. They were killing. There was also 
women being raped. And then there was the women that had children from this, from this crime. So all of this was under that shaitan Muslim Ibrahim Uqba. And obviously he was a, his force was mainly Christian. So what do you think they're going to do? Show respect. So this was happening in the city of the Prophet. But the great error that Yazid made was he gave authority to Muslim Ibn Uqba. He goes three days and I think the wisdom that he taught was to send a message. But this was a huge mistake on his part. So the next section entitled The Ascension of Abdullah Ibn Zubair to the Khalifa. Immediately after the massacre of Karbala, and also as a reaction to Yazid's order to attack the holy city of al Madina, the Makkans declared Abdullah ibn Zubair as the legitimate Khalif of Islam. And soon the whole of the Hejaz followed suit. So now Makkah is the only city that hasn't been touched. <laughs> Abdullah ibn Zubair is there. He's assessing the situation. And he decides to take the fateful step of rebelling. <laughs> this decision by Abdullah ibn Zubair to rebel against the oppressive Umayyad authority was clarified from his own blessed words when he said to his mother, Subhanallah, the only thing that caused me to rebel, O oh my mother, was my anger for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that his haram be desecrated. This is in Tabarani Al-Bidayah in the chapter on the Khalifat of Abdul Malik ibn Marwan, Hafiz ibn al-Atir in his Al-Kamil 4-1-2-3-4, in his Tariq 6-1-8-8-9. So he's telling his mother, so he explained why he rebelled. He said, the haram has been violated. So obviously the family of the Prophet al Madina, and now they're coming to Makkah because this is what caused me to rebel and he himself said I have rebelled so it's not something that the scholars have deduced because obviously we can't start talking about the Saab with words such as those but if he himself said it that's why the scholars say he rebelled for Khalif Yazid the situation was now getting completely out of control Upon hearing of the uprising of Abdullah ibn Zubair in Makkah, he thus thereupon ordered the one-eyed Muslim ibn Uqba to now proceed from al Madina to Makkah. So Yazid, obviously, his authority is being, you know, uh, wasted in a way. He's got no choice. He tells Muslim now to go to Makkah. So now what happened, I mentioned this, Abdullah ibn Umar told Abdullah ibn Zubair not to rebel. He goes, don't do it. So Abdullah ibn Zubair said, the haram has been violated. He goes, what can I do? And he goes, there is no good that will come out of this. And ibn Zubair did not listen. And then what happened? Many years later, he was martyred. And Abdullah ibn Umar said it again, now to his headless body, crucified. He said, I warned you about this. Meaning no good comes from rebellion. So now Muslims heading to Makkah. In Tabaran, Hakim in his Mustadrak, volume 3, page 550, Abu Nu'aym al-Hilya, Hafiz ibn Abdul Bar in his Al-Istiya, volume 2, page 203, Al-Haytami in Majma Az-Zawaid, volume 7, page 255, comments upon the chain of narrators, Hayat al-Sahaba, volume 2, page 307-8 of the New English Translation. Urwa ibn Zubair, he said, 
He left Al Madina and was on the way to Makkah when he dropped dead. <laughs> However, he had already appointed Hussein ibn Numair Kindi as his successor. Hussein then proceeded to Makkah and when he reached there, he engaged with Abdullah ibn Zubair in combat for a few days. So what happened? What did the Prophet say? Anybody who causes harm to the people of Medina, they're going to dissolve. So what happened to the one-eyed general dropped dead? He's not even a cause. But his successor was Hussein ibn Numair Kindi. He's now taking charge and the battle engages in Makkah. It is further related that upon arrival, Hussein ibn Numair set up catapults around the surrounding mountains of Makkah. He then showered boulders upon the inviolable sanctuary of Makkah, where Abdullah ibn Zubair had taken refuge. So what's happening? If you go to the Haram, you notice it's surrounded by mountains. He used the mountains as a leverage to attack the holy city. And boulders were now being fired into the Haram. Thus breaking all divine laws, the mother city was catapulted upon from the surrounding elevated areas. Hafiz ibn Jarir described the sad state as follows. In the course of the siege, the Kaaba itself caught fire and the sacred black stone developed cracks. And the house of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala looked like the born bosom of a wailing maid. This is in Tabari in his Tariq, volume 2, page 427. So the catapults are flying. The Kaaba catches fire. Why? Because the boulders had been put, the oil had been put on them. They were fighting, you know, with fire. It caught the curtain of the Kaaba and the Kaaba caught fire. And even the black stone was cracked. And Ibn Jadid said it was like the born bosom of a wailing maid, the Kaaba. Subhanallah. Thereupon came the divine aid. Whilst these unholy operations were taking place, Khalif Yazid suddenly passed away. Subhanallah. Hence the Umayyad general, Hussein ibn Numair, suspended operations immediately, fearing consequent disorder now back in Asham. Thus the war was terminated by the Almighty and Glorious. So Allah, the Almighty and Glorious intervened. And now who's passed away? Yazid. So look how interesting. Muslim ibn Uqba drops dead. Yazid ibn Muawiyah drops dead. Why? Allah Ta'ala is telling you something. Anybody who has anything against the sanctuaries, Allah Ta'ala will take them to task. And Yazid was very young. He was healthy. How did he drop dead? Muslim ibn Uqba was also healthy. He dropped dead. So what happened? The fighting terminated. Urwa Rahmatullah said, Thereupon when news reached Hussein ibn Numair that Yazid had died, he fled. And thus peace was restored to the mother city. This is in Tabarani. Hakim in his Mustadrak, volume 3, page 550. Abu Nu'im al-Hilya. Hafiz ibn Abdul Bar in his Al-Istiyab, volume 2, page 203. Al-Haytami in Majma Az-Zawaid, volume 7, page 255. Comments upon the chain of the dates. Ayada Sahaba, volume 2, page 308 of the New English Translation. So now what's interesting. The Prophet ﷺ, he said, Makkah will never be in control by the unbelievers. 
So this is a hadith, authentic hadith. So, and also, if you look at the history, Allah Ta'ala doesn't tolerate any disrespect to Makkah. If you look at the elephant, the history of the elephant, and also a history further back. So why did Allah Ta'ala allow this? And the reason was because these were Muslims. The only ones who could do shaitani there are Muslims. And that's the tragedy. The Muslims, no matter how weak they are, how could they even think of doing something like that in the haram? So Allah Ta'ala allowed it. But then what happened? He intervened. And Yazid dropped dead in Damascus. Half is Ibn Kathir, he clarified in Al Bidayah in the chapter upon entering the 64th year of the Hijrah. Allah the Almighty caused Muslim Ibn Uqba's death to be followed by that of Yazid Ibn Muawiyah, which took place 15 or 16 days before the end of Rabbi Al Awwal. And thus Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala granted them nothing of the enjoyment of this life they had sought and hoped for. So Hafiz ibn Kathir said, their aspirations were for authority, power. Allah didn't even let them taste it. Because they both dropped dead. Meaning Allah took them to task. So in summary, Khalif Yazid's short and most disastrous reign can be summed up in three phases. In the first year, Sayyidina Hussain and his family were martyred. In the second year, Al-Madina was desecrated. And in the third and last year, the holy Kaaba was catapulted. Now think about that. What it is. disastrous Khilafat. If somebody says to you, how long was his Khilafat? His Khilafat was roughly the same age as Abu Bakr. Two years and a few months. But look at the contrast. Abu Bakr saved Islam. Yazid, during his Khilafat, almost destroyed the holy, the, the sanctuaries. But this was his Khilafat. First year, Hussein and his family gets martyred. Second, Medina gets desecrated. Third, the Kaaba gets catapulted. So, can there be any defense for Yazid's actions? So, this is what's strange. After saying all that, you're thinking, there's no defense for him. There really can be no defense with regards to Yazid's actions other than the principle which resulted in the three disastrous incidents which I've mentioned. Mm. Namely, the majority of the Ahlul Sunnah wal Jama'ah are of the view. It is forbidden to make an armed rebellion against oppressive or unjust rulers as long as their wrong does not reach the level of unbelief. So this is what, the, in fact, this is a consensus now amongst the Ahlul Sunnah. You cannot rebel against even an oppressive authority as long as they have not entered unbelief. Hafiz ibn Hajar Asqalani, he clarified in his Tahdeeb at Tahdeeb, volume 2, page 288, they used to believe in using the sword. That is, they believed in armed rebellion against unjust rulers. And indeed, that was an old opinion amongst the early scholars. So stop in the quote. So Hafiz ibn Hajar Asqalani said this was an early view, that they would rebel against unjust rulers. Then he said, however, the issue settled upon abandoning that 
as it was seen that such an act leads to something even greater in harm. The tragic events of Al-Harra, in which the holy city of Medina was ransacked, and Ibn Al-Ash'ath, the one who revolted against Al-Hajjaj and marched on Iraq, who was first successful, but was then defeated. He was killed in 68 AH. His head was sent to Hajjaj. Refer to Hafiz Zahabi in his Seer, volume 3, page 323. And others are indeed lessons for whoever reflects. So Hafiz Ibn Hajjad Askalani, he said that if you look at all of those righteous souls who rebelled, did any good come out of it? And the answer is no. It ended with a tragedy. Hussein was martyred, his family got martyred. Was there any good in that? Abdullah ibn Zubayr got martyred around the Kaaba. Was there any good in that? They rebelled. So Hafiz ibn Hajjad said, they've abandoned this. A study of the historical incidents of rebellion against unjust rulers demonstrates its evil is greater than its benefit. So there is benefit. You could argue you're rebelling because look, the crimes they've committed. But you're going to unleash a greater evil. Hafiz ibn Taymiyyah, he said, Rahmatullah in Majmu Fatawa, volume 28, page 131. Perhaps no group is known to have revolted against a ruler except that in the rebellion, more evil was the result than the evil they sought to remove. So note, they're all saying the same thing. The scholars of the Hadith and the Imams, they're saying that their intention was pure. However, by going against the divine command, you end up with a more disastrous situation. So in summary, it is not possible to revolt against an unjust authority just as long as two conditions. They do not fall into unbelief, clear unbelief. Not you think they burn into kufr. They enter into clear unbelief and they establish the salah. If they don't establish the salat, rebellion can take place. So there's two. They have not entered unbelief and they're establishing the salat. And as to those who try to prove contrary to this, by relating the incidents of Imam Hussein and Abdullah ibn Zubair, I will reiterate the statement of the Honorable Imam Nawbi when he said in Sharh Sahih Muslim, volume 12, page 229, the Ahlul Sunnah, Settled and agreed upon the prohibition of rebelling after those civil wars. Thus originally there was a difference of opinion on this issue. And then the consensus was reached that it is forbidden to rebel against them. So look what Imam Nawawi said. After these civil wars. Why? We can't start saying, oh they rebelled or they did this, they did that. Because the consensus was reached after the Azif Allah was highlighting this is the result. If you go against the unjust authorities and you see what happened at Karbala, you see what happened in Al-Madina, you see what happened in Makkah. And he goes, then he goes, it was finalized. Therefore, both these magnificent sons of Abdul Muttalib, Hussein and Ibn Zubair, did not err in their decisions to oppose the Umayyad political authority. However, through them, the Almighty and Glorious taught the believers of all times what the end results of this would be. 
and upon which the above consensus now stands. This is how we look at these incidents. Because do not rebel. Allah Ta'ala has shed the blood of the family of the Prophet to highlight this point. <laughs> May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala be well pleased with all the glorious companions of our beloved Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam and keep our tongues clear from any ambiguous matters with regards to lesser mortals and leave their fates to the Supreme Judge. Amen. So all of this was with regards to the situation that unfolded after Karbala and not it was just a tragedy that was taking place but this was the fitna which the Prophet predicted and Lord Anas was out of this he was in Basra but now we shall mention tomorrow he hears about the tragedy in al Madina, and he hears what's happening in Makkah and his heart was broken he was thinking what's happening and this was all what Ibn Umar feared he warned Ibn Zubair he goes don't do it so not again Allah Ta'ala is highlighting the divine command. In fact, this direct text from the Prophet mentioning you cannot rebel as long as they establish Salat. And of course, Yazid was establishing the Salat. He wasn't a kafir. Right? So where's the, the so why did they let, and the answer is to teach you. And there's nobody more sincere than the family of the Prophet. We're not judging the sincerity of the family of the Prophet. They were sincere. But was there any good? What happened? And the answer is no. No good came out of it. Why? Because this is what the Prophet was highlighting. And just to add very quickly, the only two deviant groups who still believe that you can uh, revolt against an unjust authority are the Rawafid and the Khawarij. So that's fascinating. They've combined two ends of the spectrum. Right? The Rawafid said, you can go for it. And the Khawarij say, you can go for it. And we said, no, you can't go for it. So if you have that mindset, you've got the mindset of the deviants. Go interesting. And the reason that Awafid say it is because they believe Imam Hussein was ma'asum. He's incapable of making an error. So they put themselves into a corner with their false belief. And the Khawarij, obviously, they killed Uthman. Astaghfirullah. They killed Ali. To them, it's like, you know, it's normal, the officers, they say, Astaghfirullah. Are there any questions? Subhanallah, <laughs> <laughs>